Welcome back to the Just Be Your Bad Self podcast, where you are enough just the way you are. I'm your host, Kimber Dutton, a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist who is on a mission to normalize the human experience in all of its messy imperfection. Join me as I explore what it means to feel worthy of love, to live wholeheartedly, and to lead an authentic life. I'm so glad to be back on the podcast with you today. It has been a minute, and here is why. I have been using this year to do a lot of self-healing. I've been going very, very deep, and it has taken, like, all of my energy (laughs) and a lot of my time. It feels like a full-time job. And because of that work that I've been doing, I have not had the energy or motivation to really put into this podcast. Part of that's also, those of you who've been listening for a while know that last year I was diagnosed with ADHD, which comes with a hefty dose of demand avoidance. And demand avoidance is just when anything starts feeling like a demand on my time, like something I have to do, I automatically don't want to do it and built up a huge wall of resistance to it which makes everything so much harder. And I've been doing this podcast long enough that I started feeling obligated to do it, which made me not want to do it anymore. So I've had enough time away that I felt like doing it today. And that is why I'm not consistent on this podcast. I just try to be kind to myself, listen to my body, and come to this podcast when I feel like coming to it. I never want this podcast to feel like a chore for me because I think that will come across to you, the listener. (laughs) when I'm not enjoying verse, when I am enjoying the podcast. So that's the other reason it's taken me a while to get back to it. But I'm really happy to be here today. And today I will be sharing with you a recent session I had with Melanie Hill, my life coach, who was on the very last session of this, or the very last episode of this podcast with me. In this particular session that I had with her, we addressed some internal family systems work that I've been doing. And it was so profound. I feel like I had such big breakthroughs in this session that I wanted to share it with you. And it is a very vulnerable share. (laughs) And I did not have this session with Melanie anticipating broadcasting this to other people. So I do get vulnerable. There are tears. There are stories from my life that I don't, that I don't think I have shared here on the podcast before, but I share it hoping that it resonates with someone else and helps helps them. So those of you who are not familiar with IFS or internal family systems, this has been a huge part of the healing work that I have been doing over the past few months. I've been reading Richard Schwartz's book, No Bad Parts. And Richard, man, it's a hard name to say. Richard Schwartz is the man who's pioneered internal family systems, which has now become a recognized, respected form of therapy, where the idea is that we have what's called the multi-mind. So instead of the traditional way of thinking, where we all just have one mind and we're one person and we always want the same thing, IFS is the idea that we actually have these multiple parts of our personality that have relationships with us and have relationships with each other and they dialogue with each other and sometimes they can take over the whole system and we can be acting from these parts of our personality rather than acting from a place of self and a place of wholeness. And so IFS is going in, recognizing and becoming aware of the parts, teaching them to trust you, helping them unburden these these burdens that they often carry 
and learning to listen to them and acknowledge them without becoming them. If you listened to two episodes ago, I did an episode called Kimber and the Never Pleased. That episode I recorded before I had really discovered IFS. And so, but but that is what IFS is. It's actually a really beautiful example of what internal family systems can look like. And I stumbled upon it accidentally during a morning meditation. And so when I found Richard Schwartz and his work, I had already experienced what he was talking about. And it just gave me a way to return to this system and return to having a, a dialogue with myself and learning things about myself in a way that's been now studied and proven and used all across the world. And I'm really excited to learn more about IFS. And I'm also really excited to share the session with Melanie with all of you. Thank you for those of you who have stuck around, even in my absence, and who are here listening to this. This is a longer episode. It's going to be a little over an hour. Feel free to fast forward any parts that aren't resonating with you. I cut very little out of this because it all builds on each other and makes the, the breakthrough I have at the end make more sense. But if you just want to skip to some of the really meaty stuff toward the end, that will probably start around minute 30, 35. Otherwise, stick around for the beginning and you'll get a good sense of what IFS is all about and what working with these parts can look like. I apologize for the sound quality of this episode. Again, I was not planning on broadcasting this. This was a Zoom, a Zoom session I had with my coach. The sound quality is meh. Sometimes there are words that are skipped, but I think it's good enough that it's worth sharing with you. So I hope you enjoy. Feel free to reach out if this resonates with you. I love it when my listeners give me feedback or really reach out to me about anything after they listen to an episode. It means the world to me. It really helps motivate me to keep coming back to this podcast, even when my ADHD doesn't want me to. When I know there are people on the other end listening and learning from and resonating with what I have to say, that's the best compensation anybody could ask for. I love that. So feel free to reach out. My email is kimber at kimberdutton.com or you can find me on Instagram at that kimber girl and reach out to me that way. And I always respond. So feel free to, to write. And with that, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Good. I've, uh, man, has it been a couple of weeks since I saw you? Mm-hmm. So I went to Florida. I've been reading. Have you, have you done much with internal family systems? Not like, what's the word? I, I've literally been doing internal family systems, but like not intentionally. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I learned about it on a podcast and I was like, oh, that's what I've been doing with my client <laughs> for mm-hmm. a while. So I don't, I don't know, like I haven't like taken a course or anything, but yes, I know about it. I've noticed like, so I'm reading, this is No Bad Parts by the guy that's like pioneering IFS. And it makes sense that so many coaches, like so many of the other practices are really similar because it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just resonates. It's like, yeah, like when you said you need to write a letter to your anger yeah. or like we we talk about like, there's a part of me that wants this and there's a part of me that wants this. and. So I've been reading this book and and my therapist does some IFS. We haven't gotten really deep into IFS. We've mostly been doing the EMDR, but this book is like really resonating with me. Mm-hmm. This talk, and I've thought about you the past few days about, he talks a lot about the self and that that's like where we're trying to get to is to try and unburden our parts and like teach them they can trust us, that we can lead them. And not let them hijack us. Yeah. We can just integrate all of it and all work together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, I felt really, I told Elliot, I was like, I know I sound crazy. Cause I, I'm always like, oh, there's like this inner child in me that says this, or this person, this part of me says this, like I'm talking, like I have all these little people living inside of me, but I feel so 
sane. Like it just makes so much sense of why I sometimes feel like I'm personality switching or why one day I'm like, yeah, everything's great. And the next day I'm like, wait, I thought everything was great. What happened? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about this concept of being self-led. I've really been like doing some inner work of talking to these parts and trying to like just teach them like I'm 33. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not a kid anymore. Like you are probably exhausted. I can, Mm -hmm. you know, I can handle this and you can take on this other role. And I found it to be like, really effective. But today I've had this anxiety, like just this wall of tension, just right here, like anxiety and just tightness that I think I've kind of ignored. And as I've kind of unburdened these littler parts of myself and feel like there's parts of myself that are starting to trust me more, getting more boundaried, like my boundaries with my kids, it feels like Everything that I've been learning from you and a lot of other things have like are clicking together with this framework for me. Mm. So as as like some of my other parts are starting to trust me, I'm noticing more parts are coming up mm-hmm. to like seen and expressed. And it's incredibly uncomfortable because I'm used to just disassociating from all of it and yeah. like doing something else sometimes like when we start healing we're like why is it worse (laughs) yeah yes yes my therapist was like well it's like when a child feels safe with like they're gonna have safety to express their anger and their sadness and they know that that's okay and Mm -hmm. now all this stuff has come up and so today I feel like this system so because he talks about like we have multiple systems (laughs) like Mm -hmm multiple systems of parts with relationships with each other and with us. And this system came up today that I feel like is like a big one that needs to be addressed that I haven't, that I've been really scared to acknowledge and look because it feels very out of my control. Like I haven't known how to address this specific system of parts. It's like coming up to be witnessed. And a lot of me is like, Nope. <laughs> I don't know what to say to you, okay. but like, I also think this is the next thing that I need to go through. So mm-hmm. I have this like whole chaotic map that okay. I did. One of the things in this book, cause it's like, find this art and then all the trailheads and you'll find like a little system usually of like four or five parts. This one has like 10. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a complex system. Okay. So I'm going to point, even though you probably can't even see my thing. I've got this exiled part that like mm-hmm. just feels trapped that's saying, let me out. And then this big blanket that just says, Shh, be quiet. And I've named them. So this is like the trapped child. This is the big shusher. Okay. I've got this monster that's like yelling, let her out, like really, really angry. Mm. And then this little guy with a whip that's saying, bad monster like punishing the angry yeah. monster and then I've got this like distracted part that's like hey look over here look at this thing don't pay attention to this trapped child over here do this do this look at how horrible look at the world's on fire everything's falling apart mm. you can't worry about that child when the world's falling apart or look at all these people that have so much worse than her she should be happy with mm-hmm. her situation mm-hmm. And then I've got this crazy, like happy, <laughs> bright, I call it the bright cider. That's like, you know, rainbows, butterflies, personal growth. <laughs> let's, mm-hmm. let's focus on the happy stuff. You again, like it kind of works with this. You don't have it that bad part of like, you should just be happy in your cage. And then I've got this, what do I call this part? Like this distress signal that's yelling like you have to do something for her she's gonna die Mm. and then the the shusher is like also silencing that part and then I've got two this is a very complex system I think I've got most of the parts right on Uh and I've got like these two attorneys up here one is like this is all the reasons she deserves to be let out like kind of this like earning proving part you know I'm gonna prove why you should Mm -hmm. let her out and then this is the 
prosecuting attorney that's like, no, this is why she deserves to be in there. And then finally, like the big, this is like my, I think this is like my, when I get kind of suicidal, Mm -hmm. I think is this part that's like, you have to be quiet. Like this isn't anybody's problem. Just be quiet or you will die. Like the flattener, just wanting to squash the whole system if it gets out of hand. Mm -hmm. So there you go. That's the system I mapped out this morning. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Should we start with the trap child? Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to start there or in there? Which one? Um, which one do you feel like the most? I guess either the safest going to first or the most like connection with right now. I think I think we're gonna have to permission from the flattener part, like be able to talk okay. to anybody else. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the flattener kind of sounds like the Trump. Like the one that's like when everybody, everything gets too much, too overwhelming, too loud. It's like chaos control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She wants to shut everything down. Yeah. When does this part come out? When the other parts are getting too loud or mm-hmm. strong and taking too much of my attention and demanding too much of my energy. Mm-hmm. So this one helps you save energy. What else does this help you do? It helps me function. It helps me function in a way that, like, I I appear to be func- functioning to everybody mm-hmm. else. Like, I can get the stuff done and have to get done throughout the day. I can, like, maintain an appearance of being put together. Mm-hmm. I can, like, be pleasing to other people. I don't upset other people. That's a big part of what it does is it, like helps me not concern or upset other people Mm -hmm. yeah you did mention when you showed this part to me that that's when you get suicidal Mm -hmm. when does that part happen because this sounds like when this part shows up it's like oh i gotta do all the things that part that part shows up when the when like the cry for help gets really, really loud. Like uh, on this picture, it says be quiet or die. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't want anybody to know how badly you are suffering. So the part that feels like it might die is the trapped child or be killed, I guess. Yeah. So like the cry for help is like, you, she's suffocating, right? Like you have to do something to help her or she's going to die. And then this other part is like, would almost rather that happen than Mm -hmm. let the system be seen by other people. Okay. Mm -hmm. This part of you helps you hide your truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder too, if like this part comes out when maybe that, like what the distress signal comes out. Oh yeah, definitely. That's like, kind of like this last plea hmm that's that's what the flattener reacts to is the distress signal that's what triggered it i'm curious if that distress signal is your suicidal ideation or that i wonder if that's that part the distress signal is like afraid of death like the distress signal is is not wanting to die the distress signal is like help me so i don't die mm-hmm and the flattener is like almost like if you need help, you don't deserve to live, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I got you. So what does the distress signal help you do? Stay alive. Yeah. The distress, the distress signal alerts me that something's not right, that maybe I'm not living in alignment or I'm not acknowledging or taking care of that trapped child part of me. Yeah. It's like, pay, Hey, pension to this part of you because it's not doing well. What comes before this? You think, I don't know if it happens linearly. Like, like, are you kind of asking like, when is that part triggered? Mm-hmm. That part, that part gets scared 
when I think about, it's hard to like articulate. Okay. Like I was doing really well last night and that part got triggered today. And so I'm trying to think of what it was. It was like, it's like a desire, you know, it, it's, it's like when I catch a vision of like what I want and then my current reality isn't there. So like, it's weird when it happens. A lot of, hap- a lot of times that part will s- start freaking out when I'm actually in a really nice moment. Mm-hmm. So like I was enjoying being with my kids today. I was helping them clean their room. And I thought like, it was just something simple. Like, Oh, I, I remember what it was that triggered it. We were in, my girls had made this really sweet like blanket for and put candles in it. And it was so magical. And I thought like, this is what I want my house to feel like. Like I want there to be natural light and like rainbows. And I want my house to like feel this magical and feel like a reflection of me. And, and then all that sudden that part was like, ah, it was like, you're going to be here forever. Never going to get out of here. And you're never going to have like this magical. And so, and it's so weird that that is, that's what is it is oftentimes when I'm feeling what I do want to feel, there's mm-hmm. this part. It's like, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah. I, I get you. <laughs> I want feeling all the time. And, and it's, and it's like, so it sounds like when a circumstance comes that reminds you of that little girl, that's trapped it's like that circumstance magically lifts the blanket off Mm. you can Mm -hmm. hear her and see her Mm -hmm. and so the distress signal gets sent out yeah yeah like like maybe she's asleep in there and I experience something and she wakes up you know Mm -hmm. she's like oh this like wait something that wakes up that inner child Mm -hmm. in me and then yeah, and then it whips that blanket off and she's awake and then it like triggers this whole system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually really, I'm glad you had me really articulate that because that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I have that feeling there's not going to be like this clear path. There's going to be this bouncing around, right? Yeah, a lot of bouncing yeah. around. But it's almost like the circumstance comes in and kind of like moves the big shusher off so you can mm-hmm. hear hear her again Mm -hmm. which is what wakes up the distress signal Mm -hmm. and I wonder if that's when maybe like what came out then and then anger and then this like that monster does it wake up the feral beast yeah the feral beast wakes up okay yeah so like that distress signal goes out the feral beast wakes up (laughs) yeah What, what was what was it saying the feral beast is just like ready to rip apart that cage, you know, get her out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care who's in my way, what's in my way. Like it's, it's that feral, like not paying attention to who it hurts or what happens. Like it's going to just tear everything apart to get that cage off of that little girl. Mm-hmm. What happens next? At the then like probably the probably something happens where I like see that angry part of me possibly hurting the people that I love and the Punisher comes out. Yeah. Is the Punisher like the, I'm, the one saying bad monster? Yeah. Yeah. Bad monster. Yeah, that's the fear, right? You have like, oh my god, I'm gonna hurt my family, I'm gonna disappoint everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's come up a lot, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which means that might even be a separate part that I didn't put on here is like that fear. Cause the punisher isn't the fear. The punisher is like protecting that fear. Mm -hmm. So there's the fear that gets triggered. And so then the punisher comes out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To to tame tame the beast. Yeah. Is that when maybe the shusher goes back on? Not quite. I think like first 
all my distractors come up okay. so the shusher can go back on without me Maybe. noting. Oh, I wonder if the fear is the catastrophizer. Mm. But that's catastrophizing like big world events, right? Yeah, that is a that's a distracting catastrophizer. So those are separate. Like there's okay, catastrophizing that... going on in all mm -hmm. different. So your fear part comes up. So I'm gonna disappoint everyone, then the punisher comes back out. Then you go to the distractor parts, like the catastrophizer. Yeah, and the distractor part is like yeah, the the catastrophizer, the the what call it, the invalidator, like look at all these. It's all distracting parts. Like look at all these people that have it worse. Look, the whole world's on fire. Look at all these, you know, my impulsive like get on Amazon and buy this book or like whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. It so has a lot of tools. parts are the invalidator, the catastrophizer. And the bright cider. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And that kind of shushes the mm -hmm. and I guess those are those aren't all distractors, but they're all like they're all they're all they are all distracting me, but like the distractor is I know I like need more words. There is a part that's just this impulsive, like look at anything but this thing that's going on. Well, you're um, right. And like, I, I see the bright sitter as like the fixer as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of separate, but like you go down this like rabbit hole of like invalidating your experience, catastrophizing, right. The world experience and then being mm -hmm. like, okay, how do I fix me with like mm -hmm. looking down self-help all that? Does that feel right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The invalidator comes in. Yeah, the invalidator comes in and and it says, like, look at all the other people that have it worse mm -hmm. and the world's on fire. And look at all the ways you have it so good. So that's like the the catastrophizer and the the bright sider. And then it's like you need and then I guess there's another part almost and then the fixer comes out and says well, yeah it's like if I have it so good then what's wrong with me yeah I better fix myself and then you go to the and right then side. the fixer comes out I knew that there was a fixer in there somewhere I couldn't mm -hmm. figure out how it fit in the fixer comes out and is like you either need to fix the world or fix yourself before you can get out of that cage hmm so it is or, or you rather need to fix the world or be happy in the cage or something. There's some kind of fixy something. And all, all of that kind of puts the big shusher back on because then you're distracted. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what I see probably happening is like you said, you just kind of set it to like, either need to fix the world or fix yourself to be able to get out of, out of that cage to me that leads to the, the attorneys the attorneys the lawyers yeah. over there because then you have to yeah. prove mm -hmm. through fixing yourself or fixing the world that you're now ready to get out or like these are all the reasons or this is like my accomplishment list yeah mm -hmm. yeah 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 yep mm -hmm. what happens there after that then it, it's just kind of like a standstill you know there's a it's just like almost like what's the word when like a lawyer like court where someone gets up and like talks forever just to make the time pass mm. there's like a word for that. I can't remember what it is but that's what it is it's like both of those lawyers have an infinite amount of things on those papers they're holding and that just goes on forever yeah and so it's just at a standstill until until the child wakes up again and it triggers the whole system yeah. again. Yeah. And if you're writing that are making this make more sense and you want to screenshot that to me after, that would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the name for those attorneys too. It's like stand is in it. I think it's like a. Seeing if I can Google it. Trying to get it to a standstill or like stalling something like that. Like yeah 
filibustering. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's happening with those two lawyers is like a big filibuster just so that nothing can happen. Because that's the, that's the point of a filibuster is like right. the court proceedings can continue, but no action is going to be taken essentially. Yeah. Procrastination, delay, postponement, it's all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An action such as a prolonged speech that obstructs progress while not technically. Yeah. I think it happens a lot in Congress. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about all this? I feel really see like I feel like I'm really seeing myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the system is a big one that I've been playing into for my whole life. And I think I've been like living in this filibuster thing, thinking that that's reality. Like, oh, if I can just like get the defense attorney enough information and earn my way, like mm-hmm. I can get out of here. I'm like seeing this whole system laid out. I'm like, no, that's a dis- that's this whole way I've been living my life for years is a distraction from all the other stuff beneath it. That's mm. like not the real thing. What is the real thing? The real thing is that child is in a cage and I need to, I guess, burden and like, let all those protectors know that it's safe and good for her to be let out. And I guess this is where we probably need to talk to her because I'm not even sure exactly what it is she wants. Mm. Can you go talk to her? Mm. Or what, what tries to stop you? I think like the words that came up when you said, what's like blocking that or what's in the way of that i'm i'm wondering if the whole reason i've exiled her in the first place is because something in me believes that she can't have what she wants like what she wants is something i can't give her and so this whole system has been set up to let me forget about the fact that she even exists Mm -hmm. and i'm like scared to talk to her because i don't like, what if she wants, I think of my daughter, Jaylee, you know, which she's also come up a lot in this because I think a lot of her represents this part of me that I have exiled. It's like, and I'm sure this is right because the tears are right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jaylee, like, she totally 100% like believes in magic, you know, and that everything's possible and she can you know all things were told when your kids like if you can dream it you can achieve it and you can have anything you want if you can just imagine it and I don't know why people say that if they just have really small imaginations (laughs) Mm. like I have such a huge flipping imagination Mm mm-hmm so does Jaylee. Like, she, she's telling me this whole story today about this magical pet shop she went to and <laughs> the dragons and the unicorns and the maids. And, you know, she wants to live in a world where there's no money and everyone just, like, gives freely to each other. And, you know, I used to have dreams all the time that I could fly. And I, I wanted so badly for that to be real I could just like walk out my door and fly and when I was three my mom said she'd ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up and I was like I want to be a cow (laughs) I mean it's not typically what you would dream of being but I want to grow up a cow and my mom was like okay good luck with that you know let me know how Mm -hmm. that works out for you (laughs) anyways yeah that's that part of me that like just wants to believe that magic is real and anything that I can think of, I can have, you know, if I just wish on a star or dream hard enough or all these, all the things that they like feed you in Disney and <laughs> all that stuff. Why is that scary? I think the pain of disappointment, I think, I think this part of me got you more like, shut down and like 
that makes sense why this system's coming out so strong the past few years because like found the CES letter that like pretty much went through like all the reasons the church isn't true and felt like even this thing as a child that I thought well like my mom would tell me that she had a friend who became atheist because she said the reasoning was my parents told me Santa was real and he wasn't real so God's not real either and growing up my mom was always like even though like we imagine these other things I don't want to feel like just because these aren't real God's not real because God is real and then my mom's the one who left the church and like left that spirituality first and I felt so betrayed and like stupid for believing something because someone said it was real and then finding out like it wasn't and then even the last couple of years like I put my whole heart out on the line to get this musical theater part that I wanted and I really believed like was listening to my Abraham Hicks and all, all this like if you know it it will happen you focus on what you want and not what you don't want and I like let that child out of the box and I was like it's okay you can believe it like you believe it it will happen and I freaking nailed the audition and I didn't get the part and she felt so hurt by that and it, like I lied to her and then I did it again. Like I applied for this choir teaching job last year that I really want, like I've wanted for years. That's why the degree I got was because I wanted to teach at the high school here and I applied and I had a great application. And I still believe like, I still don't understand why I didn't get that job, but I didn't, even though I like let myself be vulnerable. I let myself dream. I let myself believe that it was possible. I could have this thing. Like there's been a few things in the past like decade, like really big things to me that I felt like I've, I feel like I've cut my dreams down so much. Yeah. This is what it is. It's like, I used to dream that I could fly. And that magic was real. And then I was taught like, nope, actually it's not. So then I thought, okay, let me be a dolphin trainer, you know? And then I was taught, well, that's not practical. So then I thought, okay, I'll be a really good church member so I can go to heaven and I'll do music and I'll be a choir teacher. And then, and I'll be in plays and I'll like, make a castle and live in my dream house with like this beautiful family and then it felt like nope that's not realistic either you just have to learn to be happy with what you're given and if you dream like you're just gonna get hurt and disappointed and you're gonna feel stupid mm. so like you need to learn to be practical and realistic and like just learn to love this boring painful life in a world that's falling apart and <laughs> mm. try not to want to kill yourself and I just don't I don't want to lie to her I don't and I struggle with that with Jaylee too of like I love her imagination and it's beautiful and I love like her dreams <laughs> And I want to be able to say, like, you can have whatever you dream. Like, you can have that. I want so badly to be able to say that. But I said it to myself and then felt just devastated when it didn't play out the way that I wanted it to. And I I just, like, that's why I think I've exiled that part and keep shutting her down is because I'm like, I cannot face the pain disappointing her. Yeah. What does the pain of disappointment mean? Just that, like, I can't have what I want, I guess. Feeling, it's like a feeling of betrayal. It's like a big feeling of betrayal. Just like when you, you believe in someone and they disappoint you by doing something that you didn't believe they would do. It feels the same as that. What does betrayal mean? Betrayal means someone tells you one thing 
or make or get you to believe one thing and then like does something else it's like broken promises and commitments and lies and deceit why is betrayal so painful it makes me feel like i can't trust anyone i can't need anything from anyone like just make me feel very isolated and alone and scared the work that i've been doing with some of my other parts is just this like i'm realizing that like all of my pain stems from self-abandoning in some way or another and i need to find a way to not abandon this part even when she doesn't get what she wants you know like i have other scared parts that are like what if people think we're horrible or what if people think we're stupid or what if what if and i've been telling them like that's okay i won't leave you if that happens i'm not gonna do that anymore like i've done that in the past someone says like oh you're dumb and i think oh i can't be with myself that part of myself anymore because that part's dumb and I'm, i've been telling my parts like i'm done abandoning you like you're safe. We can do things. People can say what they want and I'm not going to abandon you. And I want to figure out how, like, I'm, I want to be able to be with her and let her dream and let her like believe in magic. And when things don't play out the way she wants them to, which isn't in my control, I need to be able to not abandon her. And, like, stay with her even when she's disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I think I've I've just, I think the way I've wanted to relate with her is the way I want to relate with Julie, which is I just want to give her everything, you know? I want to take her to a magic pet store tomorrow <laughs> and go look at the dragons and look at the unicorns. And, like, it's, I wish I could do that for her, but I'm not going to abandon her. And I think Elliot has been good for me in this way, too. Like, he, I know a lot of people in my life can sometimes feel really overwhelmed by the scope of, like, what can imagine and dream. And I think there's a part of me that has, like, somehow feels like a failure every time something I dream up doesn't come true. Like, every business idea, every... <laughs> you know, I'm going to solve the world tomorrow and all these things. And I feel like such a failure when those things don't become a reality. And I think there's a part of me that like, maybe this part expects me to abandon, expects them to abandon me when what I'm dreaming doesn't come true. But I think what's really going on is that like, I'm just abandoning myself every time that happens. What I wonder where I learned to do that. Like I wonder why I do that. I think you didn't have anybody to step in and say it's okay to be disappointed. It doesn't mean you're not a powerful creator. It doesn't mean you're not magical. What do I say to this like fear? I have this intense fear of disappointing that part of me you know of leading myself on I think that's the fear like there's a part of me that's like why have you seen Enchanted yes yes it's like the real life it's I can't remember any actors names but like the dad has a little girl and he's like their mom left like her mom left the little girl's mom left and he's dating this, he's dating Idina Menzel in the movie. And because like, you oh know, yeah, very practical. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. and he, he gives the little girl a book that it's not like fairy tales or anything. It's like powerful women and how they change the world or like, you know, it's like Frida Kahlo and like really realistic and not like this magical dreamy anything because he doesn't want, we're scared of this like, it's not out of it's out of our control like it's painful to wish for something and to hope for something and then be disappointed and like why lead people to dream these big dreams like wouldn't it be better 
to just teach people to be happy with reality. Like there's a really strong part of me that's like, don't, don't teach her that she can get whatever she wants. Like, don't let her dream that big. You're just creating space for her to be really disappointed. And the bigger you let her dream, the more disappointed she's going to be. And I don't know what to say to that part because there's a, like, it's really prevalent. Like, Mm -hmm. That's because nobody taught you that disappointment is part of the process. There's also an extreme disappointment that's created every time you don't dream. Dreaming as big as you want does not prevent disappointment. Disappointment's part of life. It's both, right? I think it's all of it. And that's that's the hard part. But that's what none of us were taught, right, is that it's actually both. You can dream and have whatever you want. And that's not going to prevent disappointment. You still have to be happy with what you have. And the more you're happy with what you have, the bigger you can dream. Because you can actually process and be with disappointment and realize you don't die. That's magic. Being so happy for what you have and dreaming so big. Having the freedom to dream. Having the freedom to let that part of you Be playful and be magical and be in that and be happy with what you have and go back and forth and be like, yeah, I'm not happy with this. So I'm going to go for that. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. Disappointment comes and goes. It's, it's when too, like you're setting your entire happiness and, and well-being on the thing. That's when the disappointment feels like a death because it just, you're, you're, you know, you were taught to let that reinforce the fact that like, yeah, dreaming is stupid or you're wrong. You can't ever have anything more than this. I'm realizing that like this little girl, this trapped child is like, this is the system or protecting. I feel like I have like these, I've gotten to know like my main running system Mm -hmm. and this little girl I think I've seen her in that system where this part of this, I have this like ice wall is how I envision it in front of my heart, which is like super fiery mm-hmm. and love. Like it's the pure love part of me, right? Mm-hmm. The the part that can receive love, part that can give love. And it's just trapped behind this ice wall, which I haven't, parsed out the ice wall and what's going on with it yet but this little girl I imagine her in this other system as Luna Lovegood in Harry Potter Mm. (laughs) just that like really dreamy-eyed little girl and so I've talked to her before not realizing all this other shit around her but she the ice part of me like essentially hired like he's like the boss of her mm-hmm. he like he's exploiting her and using her as a scout in my environment so in that system i call her like the questioner she's always going out saying is it safe is it safe can i be happy yet can i be happy yet like is this good enough for me is this in alignment with who i am like that's how this main system of mine has been using her And then she reports back. And then every time she's like, this is what's going on out there. That ice wall part of me is like, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not safe enough to let this fiery love part of Kimber out. Go like, keep looking. And I've talked to her before this questioner dreamer girl and like asked her like, what are you? And she's just tired. Like she's so tired of questioning stuff all the time like is this good enough is this safe enough is this close enough to your dream like my dreams that I can love and be loved and feel love and she's like I don't I don't want to do this job anymore I just want to go like sit in a magical room in your brain and write stories and just dream and do nothing like she she doesn't even really care She really doesn't. She doesn't really care if my reality matches her dream. She gets joy purely out of dreaming Mm -hmm. up things. Mm -hmm. And that's all she wants to do. 
and she's been exploited by this other part of me who's like using her dreams and saying, well, we it's only safe enough to let this spark fire love part of Kimber out if what's out there matches. Like, it's like that part of me is almost set me up to fail because it doesn't want to let that love part out. So it found like the part of me that has the most unrealistic, like dreamy, mm. whatever it's like, perfect you get to be the scout you're the one that gets to decide if it's safe enough and the criteria is this part of Kimber only gets to be let out if what's out there matches what you can dream up knowing it was like an impossible task and that's all because like this inability to feel disappointment it's like having an open heart right why is it so hard to have an open heart because then you're opening yourself up for the ecstasy of love and the extreme pain of losing it. It's both, right? It's like, if you get what you dream for, that huge, huge magical thing, right? If you even get it, there's the chance you could lose it all, right? Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a certainty you will. That's what death is, right? Exactly, right? Yeah. That's really helpful. Like, I think what's hard is knowing that you're actually asking for both. When you dream that big, you're asking to receive it and you're asking to feel the disappointment of the loss of it. That's what an open heart is, is knowing that you're, you're asking for the breadth of all of it. That's the adventure you're about to go on. It's not just the up or the high. It's not just achieving the dream. It's also all the rest of it. It's been one of the big lessons that I've been getting in my mushroom journeys is that like just what you're saying, like God, love, whatever, like the big everything is everything. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just, it's not just rainbows and what, like God isn't like this or whatever you want to call it, right? The universe source, it's not just the stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it's everything everything that exists, everything that you can think of, every feeling that you can feel. Mm -hmm. And you can't experience, like when you talk about this open heart, we don't really get to choose what we let in and what we don't let in. It's either we get to choose to have an open heart or an open heart. And we either let all of it in or we do our damnedest not to let any of it in. And I've been so scared of letting the painful stuff in. Like I've wanted to fix the painful stuff. I've wanted to like fix everybody's problems and make sure that like everything on the outside of me was good and safe mm. and perfect. Mm -hmm. And then, and on the inside too, like everything on the outside is perfect so that I can let that in. And everything on the inside of me needs to be perfect so I can let that out because it goes both ways, right? Like me truly letting myself love other people, that comes with all of me too. Like all the shadows, all the imperfections, all that. Like, I think this inner child that's in the cage is just your pure innocence that came here to experience all of it. Because mm -hmm. that's the thing, like we've, we've moralized all all these things, all these experiences, and yet they're just all innocent. They're just all pure experience. And we actually signed up for all of it. And we put ourselves in cages trying to protect ourselves from these experiences we're judging, but it's part of what we came here and signed up for with literal glee. You know, I'm so blessed to have Jaylee because she is so like this part of me mm -hmm. and when you said like it's just the innocence that's here to experience all of it Jaylee also has a very dark imagination <laughs> like very I used to worry about her like yeah. this thing's gonna kill you or this oh her mom died or like very like death and like but she I she wasn't scared of it I was scared of it yeah right she was enjoying just letting it all play out yeah and one of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was like, you're, you're, oh, she, I can't remember. I have it recorded on one of my Instagram videos, I think, where 
she's like her mom died or this polar bear and then the mom died and I was like wow Jaylee that's really sad like I've noticed that a lot of your when you play a lot of times people die that's -hmm. really sad and she's like yeah she said it's cool to be sad like she really Jaylee loves feeling her feelings she loves to cry sometimes she'll like get purposely really sad just to cry for like a really long time and she like revels in it like she's just fully in it Mm -hmm. and and she's also my angriest child like and when she's angry it's almost like she's acting like she just gets into it and she does the angry face and she does the yeah she's enjoying the experience of it she can't feel it it. Mm -hmm. my podcast this week is about this because my son taught me this lesson have you released it yet yeah it came out monday or it should have anyway okay (laughs) i thought it did yeah and it's it's amazing how many judgments we have around these experiences right and like the just the immediate like fear that floods in right and like oh my god we have to like make sure my child doesn't become this like demonic weird (laughs) like but yeah it's it's actually just this beautiful experience well, and it's no wonder that she's in that been in that cage because my parents taught me like here are the acceptable emotions. You right. can be happy, you can be grateful, you can be calm. Yeah. That's it. That's like maybe a teeny, teeny, teeny bit disappointed. And that's like that's it. And so I learned that to experience anger, to just dis- experience disappointment. This is huge. I wasn't allowed to feel disappointed. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Like I was allowed to feel grateful. Like my mom would throw birthday parties and whatever. And I would, and she would feel so hurt if I wasn't like, that was the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. I love this. I love this. I love this. Mm -hmm. And I grew up hearing like, you are never pleased. Yeah. Which is another part in me. Oh my gosh. Did we record this session? Yeah. It's okay. Did we? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It'll be in your Google folder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was told that you're, you're too hard to please. You can never be Mm -hmm. pleased. You're never satisfied with what is. And I wasn't allowed. That wasn't an acceptable way to be. Mm -hmm. And yeah, disappointment was a problem, right? Of course. That's why there's this big pain around disappointment. I can't have what I want. And it's, it feels like a betrayal too which is very relational right and it probably just felt better to just be like well I better be happy with what I get and then I won't feel betrayed right by myself or by someone else because if if I show my pain of disappointment because I didn't get what I want then I get betrayed by my caregivers because then they withdraw their love from me yeah and then I feel like they lied to me Right. When in the whole thing, like if they had put their feelings aside of needing you to approve of them, you could have just felt your disappointment. They could have held that for you and like, yeah, you didn't get what you wanted. I know. I know. Even though they maybe there were they probably, you know, a million things, a million thoughts. Like I spent all this money. I gave you everything you asked for. Oh, my God. How are you throwing this fit right now? Right. But okay, you were upset. You didn't get the red balloons. Whatever. You were so disappointed. Yeah. And and that like that whole experience, so valid. Yeah. Of course you're disappointed you didn't get the red balloons. It's your special day. This is everything for you. Of course. That's so hard. Oh my God. Cry. Let I'm listening. Let it out. And then what happens? You're not betrayed. You're not left. You process that I can't have what I want. You process the pain of disappointment in a loving way. And you move on and you enjoy the rest of your day. And you get everything you want. And it's so magical. And you get to experience the magic of feeling your disappointment. And letting it be okay. That you didn't get that one thing that you were so excited to get. But life is still magical all around you. Especially because you got to have that experience of feeling disappointment. In a loving way of being held. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
when when you said and then you feel disappointed and then what it's interesting that you said it that way because my last therapy appointment I was talking to her about this huge fear like this kind of fear of death right Mm -hmm. and we were doing EMDR and I was talking about when 9-11 stuck in this hotel like it was very traumatic it was on my birthday my birthday September 12th, but we were in Korea. So it happened on my birthday. And we oh, woke wow. up, my parents were crying. And my dad said, like, we're going to sing happy birthday to Kimber. <laughs> and then we'll tell you what's going on. And I thought, like, we lived in Hawaii at the time. I thought someone had, like, blown up the island. Like, I thought my house, my friends, I thought everything was gone. Like, I could tell something really big had happened. And that experience, like completely shook my sense of safety and like okayness in the world and I didn't realize till this last therapy that of course I experienced that as trauma like I'm like oh the whole world went through that that wasn't trauma you know of course I experienced that as trauma and as we were doing EMDR the images that I had was like I imagined this huge black hole and the whole world just got sucked into it And I was sitting outside of it watching like everything just fall into this black hole. And then I, and then everything fell into it and the hole closed up and I was sitting there and I heard this voice. Now what? And so I started playing in the sand by me. There was just this little teeny pile of sand. So I started playing in the sand and my therapist is like, oh, good. And then I was like, and then this monster came and ate me. (laughs) (laughs) and I said but then I heard the voice again now what and it wasn't that big of a deal what's so interesting to me about that story too is your parents were so afraid to disappoint you that they sang to you before they told you what was very clearly on their faces right like that their fear of disappointing you is what created the fear of disappointing them right in you and and this whole fear of disappointment right just grew And so I feel like too, that's another layer of like, they betrayed, and I don't know if you feel this way, maybe this is kind of projecting at this point, but like betrayed that they couldn't just be honest with you and just let you be really disappointed that either this happened on your birthday or this was the first thing they told you or right. Any of that, like, cause that's almost like they didn't trust you. They didn't trust you with this information. I could tell that it was important to them that my birthday be saved despite all of it. And so there was this immense amount of pressure to somehow find some magic and be happy on that. To like be appreciative of them, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's just all kinds of weird and and that that just intense fear of disappointment when disappointment in itself can be connecting and magical the whole world was disappointed that day right like of course and and yeah really extra disappointing that was your birthday for sure yeah but too like i wonder if your birthday had been could have been maybe even more magical had it just been more honest and connecting from the beginning right so like just an interesting way to look at that voice of like now what I didn't realize in this conversation, like I knew that I'd kind of exiled my anger and this, I didn't ever make the connection that disappointment was also emotion that was neutral, right? We talk about like, totally, there are no good and bad emotions. They're just feelings and disappointment. I think it was my reality. Like, well, that's bad though. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And like part, part of this system that you brought up was, you know, part of the punisher or the, that fear part, right? I'm going to disappoint everyone. It was part of the system of like the fear Mm -hmm. of disappointing others. Right. But then we got to this like huge fear of your own disappointment in life. So, I mean, disappointment is a big part of this one, right? I think it may be the, the shadow of the dreamer that you want to let out. It's like, yeah, but that part that goes with it, that's the part I locked away. But in reality, you locked away the beautiful magical dreamer as well but it's all to keep yourself away from disappointment so it's like every time i've let her out this this like disappointment monster comes with her and like that's just not okay yeah yeah that was huge like this session i'm i'm really glad i can watch it later because that was really big 
Thanks for listening today. It's been so fun to see the number of downloads that this podcast gets go up every week. And that is all thanks to you. I've had so many people reach out to thank me for a particular episode that really helped them realize something, helped them process something, or just helped them know that they aren't alone. And I wouldn't be getting those messages if you weren't sharing this podcast with other people. Word of mouth is so vital for small podcasts like this one, and you rock at it. So thank you, and please keep it up. Remember, you are enough right now in this moment. That's it from me. Now, just be your bad self.